0: This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Things are changing quickly now, folks. Mike Pence canceled his bid for the White House, and Nikki Haley is gaining ground. Dean Phillips, an unknown senator from, well, who fucking cares where, thinks he's the guy to primary President Biden. Well, he isn't. MAGA Mike Johnson miraculously lasted a week as Speaker of the House and this is my first broadcast on the Mighty Midas Touch Network. So welcome! I'm thrilled that Mayor Culpa is now part of the premier platform for politics, legal analysis, and the unvarnished truth. And you know me, nothing but the truth has been my motto since parting company with the mango Mussolini and leaving the dark side. Like the Mycellus brothers, I am a dedicated warrior in the fight to save democracy. That said, it's great that you're here, so now let's go. Last week, I met Trump face-to-face in his civil fraud case in New York City. Trump lied to the press, and then he lied to Judge Angoron while on the stand for three fucking minutes. Then he stormed out of the courtroom like the big fucking baby that he is. Trump is a serial violator of gag orders because he's got nothing else at this point. Nothing. And I said it then and I'll say it again. When I looked into Trump's eyes, I saw a defeated man. And yet, he persists. After repeated appeals Monday, Judge Chutkin reinstated her gag order against Trump in his D.C. election fraud case. He is, of course, appealing, but Trump is trying to win all of his cases by consuming the court's energy with his signature brand of chaos. Judge Chutkin probably won't throw Trump in jail for violating his gag order, which would only play into his victim narrative. But as she is threatened from the beginning, she will move the trial date up if he doesn't keep his big trap shut. And for a guy who lives to delay justice, Judge Chutkins just called his bluff. A new ambassador to Israel was confirmed on Tuesday, just as the House GOP unveiled a $14.3 billion emergency funding package to Israel. I mean, that's great, but they left Ukraine completely out of the picture. And to pay Peter, they're going to have to rob Paul, meaning that funding earmarked for the IRS in the Inflation Reduction Act will be cut by the same amount, $14.3 billion, if this thing were to pass, which in all likelihood, it will not. But for the party that claims to be all about fiscal responsibility, they sure hate to pay their fair share of taxes. You think they would care about their kids' futures? Well, guess what? They don't. Which brings me to the war in the Middle East, where the humanitarian crisis has from the beginning been absolutely fucking unbearable. And no matter what I report today, everything will change tomorrow but one thing that has been consistent since the early days of the Trump presidency and the Charlottesville Jews Will Not Replace Us Tiki Torch Rally It's growing anti-Semitism and now on college campuses. A person is now in custody following a series of anti-Semitic threats made against Cornell University's Jewish community. The online messages made public Sunday include threats to shoot Jewish students who live on campus in the building with a kosher dining hall. Messages also encourage students to harm Jews, according to the Cornell Daily Sun. University police have increased patrols and added security for Jewish students and organizations. But, but, but what the fuck, people? What kind of stupidity is this? The Anti-Defamation League has said anti-Semitic incidents in the United States increased, get a load of this, nearly 400%. 400% since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. And Tuesday, FBI Director Ray said in a Senate hearing that anti-Semitism has reached historic heights here in the United States. At Cooper Union, protesters were calling for the murder of Jews while Jewish students were barricaded in the school library after a pro-Palestine rally. And that's not okay. There should always be room for debate on college campuses, but hate speech, hate speech is not free speech. And violence of any kind is just fucking unacceptable. Period. Nothing, there's no questions here. Period. Students at Harvard and University of Pennsylvania protested against Israel, and big donors didn't like it. Earlier this week, a spokesperson for the ultra-right Heritage Foundation threatened to cut funding to any university that isn't 100% pro-Israel. The Heritage Foundation big bucks are 100% behind Netanyahu's war, proving once again that you can be pro-Israel and anti-Semitic at the same time. Now, I want to be clear about something. You can also be pro-Palestine and still support Israel's right to defend itself. I mean, we assume that college students can actually think for themselves, especially the fucking students that are in Ivy Leagues like Harvard and University of Pennsylvania. But in all fact, nothing is going on there. I mean, what the fuck have we taught them? And that's a rhetorical question because the answer is absolutely nothing. And now for the main event, I'm fortunate to call our next guest a friend. And I'm talking about police officer Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn has been a member of the Capitol Police since 2008. And he's one of the heroes forged by the January 6th insurrection. He's since won the Presidential Citizens Medal, the Congressional Gold Medal, and the Capitol Police Service Award. And now he's written a fantastic new book called Standing My Ground, a Capitol Police officer's fight for accountability and good trouble after January 6th. I mean, it's a great book, and I certainly recommend it as a read. But more importantly, let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Harry, most people know you as one of the heroes of January 6th. Now, let's be clear. You were one of the first people to testify before the January 6th committee. And now on top of everything, you've written this great book about your experience. But all this time after the traumatic events,
1: what is it that still affects you the most? You know, Mike, good to be with you, man. I I always love talking with you and chatting it up. I just like your authenticity. And I think that's one of the things that that ties us together. But also what ties us together is I think what, it's still unfinished business, and that is the fact that the former president has not been held accountable for his actions yet. Now, it's on the way, um, maybe, but it hasn't happened yet, and I feel like that's one of the main things. I don't necessarily say bring me closure, that is, but it's still missing from that terrible day. Yeah, look, I understand.
0: I mean, you know, the book and I started to go through it um, called Standing My Ground. It's really, um, you know, quite a great read. Um, I know myself that I find myself sometimes when I'm having breakfast or I'm sitting in a restaurant and I find myself almost transported out of where I am. And I go into this sort of tunnel vision of. PTSD where I'm just not where I am and I'm in back in whether it's solitary confinement or I find myself sometimes when I'm walking on the street I almost feel like I'm back at Otisville when we would walk around to the you know half mile perimeter of the facility that we were allowed it's a very weird thing and I don't know uh why it happens I thought it would sort of diminish in terms of uh the effect but it really hasn't. Anything like this happening with you do you find yourself, you know, tensing up in lo- in certain locations because you're still
1: on the job? Yeah. What one of the things that yeah, I when when we get I get around and this not necessarily at work, but even in like my personal life, I go out with friends and we'll go out to a crowded sports bar or whatever and you know, I get around people, and I'm looking for the exit. Or if somebody bumps me, I, 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 I'm taken back to a place where I'm thinking that somebody's trying to hurt me or something like that. And you know, it, it could be the most innocent, innocent time. It, it doesn't have to be anything um, contentious, but uh, just that still sticks with me. Just the physical reaction that your body has. Yeah,
0: look, you know, when I was reading a whole bunch of the reviews on it, and there was a couple of lines that really sort of stood out to me. You know, they turn around, they say that the author, of course, being you, lucidly dissects the elements of the Capitol Police and how they work. And he briefly discusses his youth in Maryland and his desire to play professional football. When physical limitations sidelined those aspirations, Dunn found his way to the Capitol Police in 2008, where he observed how impassioned protests demonstrated the power of democracy and freedom of expression. Like you, exactly like you, I believe in democracy. I believe in the freedom of expression. I have no issue with the demonstrators being outside the Capitol. protest, make noise, you want to wear your stupid, ugly red hats and (laughs) carry your dumbass MAGA flags and Trump 2020 flags. I truly don't care. But I'll tell you, what did offend me and continues to this very day to offend me is the reason that they stormed the Capitol. And it's something that I said when I testified before the House Oversight Committee that if, in fact, Donald Trump loses the election, my biggest fear is that there will never be a peaceful transfer of power. And the whole concept of the peaceful transfer of power is the basic foundation of our democracy and how we go from president to president to president to president. And we have done this 44 times successfully before Donald Trump ended yeah. hit up becoming president of the United States
1: how how would it be how would you like to be one out of 44 or you know obviously someone were doubled up but you know I, what a terrible company to be in you know it just just speaks to the the narcissism and the all about meism that that he is all about you know it's uh, it's it's sickening man and like you said, the peaceful transfer of power and the right to protest and the right to stake your cause. You know, I, I, I've i been, a, been in at the Capitol. We've been front line to front people who disagree with some of the things that I disagree with. And that's that's fine. It's not we're not there to agree or disagree. We're out to, the, to peacefully state your peace. I mean, hell, there's the, the Ku Klux Klan is permitted to walk around and protest or the cl- and, and rallies and stuff like that. They have that right as disgusting and despicable as I think they are. They still have the right to do it peacefully. You know, once it turns into what we got on January 6th, then that, that, that it goes out the window. You have almost, almost forfeited your right to protest because you're breaking the law.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so true. But you know, to finish the way that they discussed the review on this, um, you admitted that you have been both praised and viciously vilified. Could you imagine that there are people out there, whether you like Harry Dunn or you don't, whether you like Capitol Police or you don't, whether you were pro-Trump, pro-MAGA, and think that nothing that they did was wrong, there are still people who both praise you and viciously vilify you for openly rebuking the insurrectionists who tried to destroy the very lifeblood of this nation. Yeah. And then they say throughout this forcefully delivered book, and again, I, I, it's, it's an absolute read, standing my ground. Your passion for true pra- uh, patriotism and the tenets of constitutional democracy resonate throughout the book. Despite, of course, as we were just talking about, the emotional pain and the PTSD that it brought to you.
1: You know, one of the things I love this—I love this country, man. I fucking love this country, and you know, and I—I I have feel like I have to fight back even harder to steal the word "patriot" from the 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 cowards who hijacked it. You know, it's like you see somebody waving an American flag, you don't, all right, the first thing come to mind, oh, they're probably a Trump supporter. Like, how did that the, this get associated with one individual, man? This country is, it's e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Like, we're supposed to have, it's a fucking melting pot. And I, 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 I get so mad because I love this country, and these people... They make it seem like they're the only if we don't agree with their views, then we're traitors to the country. And it, it goes back to, and I'm not trying to get all historical and you know, but in my book, I talk about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and how it was written, you know, all men are created equal. But the people that they were talking to when they said all men are created were white men that owned land. Unless you were a white man that owned land, they weren't talking to you. If you were an immigrant, they weren't talking to you. If you were a woman, they weren't talking to you. If you were a a Black person, they weren't talking to you. If you were a white person that didn't own any land, you weren't the person that they were talking about in that in all men are created equal. So it makes me go back and just think about how this always been a struggle and a fight for, you know, not necessarily equality, but a sense of belonging. We've always had to fight. And I'm just saying we, the people that have been in the minority for the longest time. So it, it fires me up. So I definitely talk about the, the, this patriotism that I feel. This is my country just as much as anybody else's. So sorry, man, I got all fired up, man. It's bullshit. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. But, you know, the problem is that they believe that they own and run and control this country. Donald has given them that false sense of belief and that false sense of security. Look, nobody else that I could remember, and again, I was practicing law since 1992. I have never in my life seen anyone, as especially as a defendant, nobody said it better the other day than um, this guy Michael Popak and also uh, Neil Katyal on yeah, television yeah. said it as well, that... You're sitting as a defendant beneath Judge N'Goron, right? Who's sitting up on the dais at you know yeah. uh, at his at the desk, and you have witnesses that are sitting higher than you on the stand. And the second you go out, what do you do outside the doors? And there's a gaggle of press that's there. The first thing you would do is you attack the judge, you attack the AG, you attack witnesses, you attack everybody, and you say some of the most vile, inflammatory, defamatory, witness-tampering, obstruction-of-justice statements. I want to just give you, first thing this morning, the Mandarin Mussolini couldn't help himself, those little... Chubby fingers of his started going, and you got the all caps, the small caps, and just for effect of my listeners, got to hear this shit. This is from his untruth social post. This rigged trial, brought by the racist New York State AG Letitia James, before Trump and developer. I don't hating judge developer. I, I now he's a developer before Trump and developer-hating judge Arthur and Goron, which should have never been brought in that the so-called star witness, sleazebag lawyer, for many people, Michael Cohen, admitted last week on the stand that he lied, and also that your favorite president, Donald J. Trump, or anyone from the Trump organization, all in capitals, Never told him to inflate values on financial statements, comma, the opposite of what he told the AG in order to get this hoax started. Now, there's it goes on. Actually, I'm going to finish it. Therefore, on that fact alone, this fake case should be dismissed. Additionally, however, the financial statements values are conservative. In brackets, low, all caps, exclamation mark, close bracket, Mar-a-Lago is worth much more than $18 There is a 100% disclaimer clause on the first page of the statements. The banks and insurance companies were paid in full, no defaults. That's also a lie. They all made money, and there is no victim, in brackets, except me. Leave my children alone, Engoron. You are a disgrace to the legal profession. Now, there's so much shit to unpack here. First of all, let me start <laughs> by saying in the very the very first the very the second word in this this rigged trial, it is not a rigged trial. Of course. Okay? Of course. Let me be very, very clear about that. Brought by the racist New York AG, Letitia James is not a racist. All right? Yeah. Before developer hating Judge Arthur and Goron. And Goron doesn't hate Donald Trump. He is a judge and he's acting judiciously. I sat for two days on the witness stand and there were things that I expected that he was going to allow, which he did not, that benefited Trump. And then there are things that he did allow that, of course, were detrimental to Trump's case. Then, of course, I'm not even talking about me being a sleazebag lawyer. Lawyer, But <laughs> yeah. here's the part that bothers me the most about what he's doing. This is witness tampering to the worst extreme. Who in their right mind, because the second that he put this out, the hate emails, the tweets, the texts, the yep. phone calls, they all start coming. And he knows exactly what he's doing. The funny thing is he what he fails to understand is that I have been subpoenaed to appear to all of these cases. Right. And he knew that because I went and I spoke to him about it in the Oval Office. Yeah. When I first decided not to testify, I said, thank you for the invitation, but no thank you. And that was at the suggestion of both Sean Hannity as well as um, Jay Seculo, who ultimately became Trump's um, attorney for a while. Number one. I never admitted on the stand that I lied, I did state that I lied to Judge William H. Pauley III, who is the Southern District of New York judge that sentenced me, that dealt with this case of mine, this one-page information plea. What I lied to him about was that I committed tax evasion and misrepresentation to a bank. And again, for my listeners, just to be crystal clear... Because I'll say this a million times, despite the fact you've all probably heard it at least a half a million times. (laughs) The first time we ever spoke to the Southern District of New York, uh, Nick Roos, Tom McKay, Andrea Griswold, uh, Robert Kazami. The first time was on a Friday night, the 17th of August at 530. I'm sorry. Yeah, the 17th. That's a Thursday uh, at 5.30. And then what they did is they gave us, so I think, either August, maybe the 16th of August. And what they did is they gave my lawyer till the 17th, that Friday. They gave him until 5.30 p.m. to come and meet with him. But I wasn't invited to that meeting, which yeah. is unheard of. The first time that we we're having, at which point he calls me, my lawyer, calls me at 5.30 p.m. to tell me that I have to go in and plead guilty on Monday at 9 a.m., 24 hours later, over a weekend, or they're filing an 80-page indictment that's going to include my wife. Jeez. All right? And so, as I was trying to explain, but they didn't want to have it, it was all yes or no questions, to protect my wife, I would lie to the God Almighty. All right? I just would, because... My my first responsibility as a husband and as a father is to protect my wife and my children. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was doing. They were going to they were going to indict her as a co-conspirator to the hush money payments because she and I co-signed on the same tax return and that money was placed into her bank account at Capital One, which is where all the money went. Because I was, for the second time, the victim of identity theft. And there was a guy running around. And I'm going to post his picture one of these days. I have it yeah. from the bank. He's running around stealing the money. But just to go on, right, that nobody, I never told him to inflate the values of the financial statement. Thank goodness that the AG um, prosecutor on redirect asked me about that. And I stated that's a true statement that I made to the Senate Permanent Select Committee. He never specifically told me to inflate the values on the financial statements. What he said, speaking like a mob boss, was, Michael, I'm not worth 5000000000 billion, five and a half billion. I'm actually probably not even worth 6 It's more like 7 or 8 And then directed me and Alan Weisselberg to go back to Allen's office and then come back after we, after we figure it out. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand what he wants you to do yeah. because we did come back with the change numbers and those numbers were given by Allen to Weiser, Mazer, you know, the uh, the um, accounting firm and that's how the documents got, you know, ultimately produced. So the point I'm trying to make in all of this the man is unhinged. Captain Chaos is out of control. Mm-hmm. The antics that he's, that he's pulling will not stop. No fine, no gag order, no decorum, no decency will stop him. The only thing that you can do is to hold him accountable very much like the insurrectionists on January 6th, some of whom have gotten as much as, what, 18 years? Yeah. He needs to be held accountable, and this Mandarin Mussolini must be locked up to shut him up before something bad happens to someone.
1: Again, you know, like, i I, that's one of the things I've always, people say, what does accountability look like to you? Fuck, I don't know. Uh, Whatever it takes to keep said behavior from happening, Again. And, you know, like you said, the, the, the fines aren't stopping them. The lawsuits aren't stopping him. That nothing's stopping them. So it's it's up to the Justice Department to include the judges um, to determine a punishment that can that punishments are for deterrence, you know, and is it's, it's it working? I haven't seen any evidence
0: of it. Well, I haven't seen it either. But on that point again going back to standing my ground in it you're very clear that january that january 6th was 100% an attempt to overthrow the government yeah an insurrection but in all fairness harry without folks like you protecting the capital what do you think would have happened if the mob had actually caught up with nancy pelosi or mike pence and what do you think would have happened if Trump had never called off the mob, even though it took him an hour, uh, what, uh, an hour and
1: a half? So Yeah, so let's think about it real quick. It was longer than that, but let's think about it. We got to take these individuals at their word. What were they there to do? Stop the steal. They thought the election was stolen, so they were stopping the certification of it. That was their objective, you know, as far as Mike Pence. What were they chanting? They were chanting. Now, and this is this is the beauty. The beauty of it, I'd say beauty, but the beauty of it is just not my opinion. Theirs are their words. Hang Mike Pence. They're, they were wanted to shoot Nancy Pelosi in the brain. Now, like, those aren't my words. That, that's not my opinion. Those were their words. They said that that was their mission. Why they were there. So, what else can we go on? Like I. You know, at the time when it was going on, I wasn't thinking about stopping the insur- uh, the insurrection. Hell, I didn't even heard that word, <laughs> you know, until afterwards, you know. But I wasn't thinking about protecting de- democracy, but, but that's just part of my job. It's what we do when you think about it. My job is to protect the members of Congress and keep them safe, which was my and, and our co-workers. I wanted to go home at the end of the night. So that's what that day was about as far as the actions. Now, everything that happened afterwards and telling the story and setting the record straight about what happened is the important part. You know, you can't just stop there. I couldn't, especially with these wild narratives running wild, that it was a tour that got out of hand. That's not what happened.
0: Yeah, well, look, and then go to the second part of that question as well. Right. Uh, what do you think would have happened if Trump never called
1: off the mob? You know, I, I don't even know what other is I'm not giving him any credit for stopping them. You know, I'm giving credit to the men and women of other police de- departments and law enforcement who showed up. Mm-hmm. that day. You know, we had uh, officers as far as New Jersey and we had people there that showed up. The National Guard came and they helped us and reinforcements showed up and the good guys won. So I'm not giving credit to Donald Trump for calling off those guys. I'm giving credit to law enforcement that day who fought Mm -hmm. their asses off and defended this country and protected each other.
0: Yeah. Well, look, you know, a very good friend of mine who happens to be black turned around and said to me something that it was like a gut punch. Mm. He said to me, What do you think would have happened if transposed that entire mob and replaced them with Black Lives Matter or people of color, brown, black, etc.? What do you think would have been the outcome of that, we'll call it, insurrection? Yeah. And I sat
1: there and I was like, oh my God. Now, I'm glad that you asked that. So I, I'll, I'll answer because I like to be very specific about, you know, incidents that happened. So a couple things. Black Lives Matter did come to the Capitol. You know what they didn't do? They didn't breach the Capitol. They didn't assault police officers. They stood out there with their message. They yelled at us. They cursed at us. You know, they said their message. Now, this is just at the Capitol. I'm not speaking for around the time. I'm not talking about in New York we even at the White House. I'm not. I'm not speaking. No, to, I'm talking about. Also I'm just, just talking about the just at the Capitol. That's what happened. Those individuals they stayed behind the police line. They did not attack police officers at the Capitol. That didn't happen. So, and, and so that's why I say at the Capitol, I work with a great, a professional, top of the line officers there. They are some of the most professional, uh, best best of law enforcement that you will see. And I'm so proud to work with them. But I speak, think that speaks to the professionalism of my co-workers. Um, but I, I can't say I, I don't like to use that hypothetical situation because Black Lives Matter did come to the Capitol and they didn't behave in the manner as like those rioters did.
0: You know, the point I think my friend was trying to make with me. Oh, no, when I got it. Were discussing I it. And I want to be clear about this. If hypothetically Trump, who was still president at the time, saw a bunch of black people outside the Capitol storming into the Capitol, he would have called the National Guard. He would have called the SWAT team. He would have called Capitol Police. Every every officer within a 50 mile radius would have been there, there with their guns and there would have been bloodshed everywhere. But it's amazing, because it goes right back to the whole point that I was making. The guy disappeared for hours, refused. And I'm with you on that. He just should not and does not deserve any credit for the end of the attack on the Capitol. And as far as setting the record straight, I hate to say it, five years later, I'm still trying to set the record straight Yeah. on just something as simple as simple as I never tax evaded I have never not filed taxes I've never requested an extension like most people you ever request an extension I haven't I've I've never either yeah. I've never requested that most people have they are
1: complicated though you know <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, like, well, mine, and are, t- mine t- aren't <laughs> anymore.
0: They were, they were at the time. You know, yeah, and I've I've never not paid taxes. I had a CPA doing it for me. Whatever he told me to pay is what I paid. Okay, is it an omission? I'll grant you that. But I will continue to fight to set this record straight. And I'm going to come to D.C. very soon because I'm pushing literally for FOIA to release the information, the documents that 486,000 pages so that we could figure out how it's possible that I could be the first political prisoner held by my own country because I refused to waive my First Amendment constitutional rights. So here I am every day fighting, and I hate to say it, the more I try to set the record straight, the more the maggot morons, you know who I'm talking about, those Damn. fuckers with the, four, with the four teeth and the three brain cells, <laughs> right? They They fight you. Now, now, this—the uh, whole Trump team and others—they have all of these bots on X, you know, on the former Twitter and uh, the, the the threads and Truth Social. They're just bots that sh- it, they've destroyed the platform. But yeah. let me move on and ask you this: Then, how does it make you feel that the—and I'm going to quote this—architect of the insurrection? And I'm referring to MAGA Mike Johnson Mm -hmm. is now the Speaker of the House.
1: Yeah. You know, so I I I believe in democracy, even if it isn't the, the basis or the views that I want to be represented. You know, I can't be a hypocrite. This is just me. I can't be a hypocrite and say that the Republicans have a majority that they won in elections fair and square. Now, obviously, there's some gerrymandering issues and redistricting, and that's t- that's happening in the court, so letting all that play out. But they won the election in a majority fair and square. See how easy that was? He fucking won an election fair and square. Fucking easy. <laughs> Go figure. But, and they elected this individual to represent, be the speaker for them. Now, people have been talking about his past and everything like that. You know, it may be some things that we disagree with, but you know... <laughs> maybe I'm just this optimistic guy and maybe it's just misplaced or maybe it's because I have a job to do and I focus on my professional, but I just hope that it works for the American people. And if and and this is the point that I make about patriotism. If it doesn't work, who holds them accountable? The voters do. The vote is the most powerful tool that us Americans have. And we don't utilize it. We don't utilize it. We complain. Mm -hmm. We use those 160 characters as our most powerful tool. No, get the hell out of here. Use your vote. And that's part of why, reason why I wrote the book, is to educate people and to encourage people to participate in democracy. Participate in it. Just don't be a spectator. Be educated. And if you disagree, then hold them accountable at the ballot box. That's the only way democracy works, is people participating in it.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. So, I mean, it goes, so many things that's happening today, especially in this country, especially that revolve around Donald J. Trump are head-scratchers. I cannot figure it out no matter how many hours I stay awake. Yeah, And I vociferate over it over and over and over again. Trump's poll numbers are better than ever with black
1: and Hispanic voters. Now, Harry, what the fuck? Seriously? Yeah, no, wait, I'm going to stop you there. We're asking the wrong questions. This, This isn't about Donald Trump anymore. What does that say about our country? Are we looking at this shit wrong? Or are people just not informed? The loudest, it doesn't just because you're the loudest doesn't mean you're right. And that's where we that's where we have to fight back with this disinformation. You know what? I, I don't know how to do it, but I'll tell you one thing that Benny Thompson told me one day and he told me that truth is the best disinfectant. But everybody needs to be spraying that damn bottle of disinfectant, though. Not just the not just you. Not just you testifying before the oversight committee. Not just me testifying for the January 6th committee. Everybody. You imagine if everybody that had dirt on Donald Trump actually spoke up, but not Do you people. think it would actually
0: change anything?
1: If I mean, everybody I, I, that had. If everybody that had it, it hell yeah. But but when yeah, they yeah I don't listen. When they just see you doing it, they, it's easy to call one or two people a traitor. He's calling Bill Barr and you a traitor and you're losers. But imagine if it's all entire cabinet did it. And then every people that know those people that got dirt on them actually did it. The fact that it's but so they we, we could we could count the people on one hand, maybe two that actually had the balls to come out against them. and You being one of them. It's not many. Yeah, but, Why? because they're afraid. But, it, well, of course,
0: they're afraid. They have every right to be afraid. I agree. Because he I, I'm, has, not, I'm not
1: disparaging them for it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, look, he lies to the American people every time he opens his mouth. The other day, the guy comes out with this bullshit claiming that polls are showing that his black support has quadrupled, even quintupled, since his mugshot. Do you understand what he's actually saying here? Do you want... I mean, it is... First of all, it's offensive. Second of all, it's a lie. He's basically making himself into, I'm one of you. Because we know that one out of every 10 black males in America have seen incarceration. That's based upon a a bureau prison statistic. So he's basically saying, I'm one of you. And as a result of him being one of you, let me tell you something. He ain't one of you.
1: Ain't all right? the, the he ain't one the of grip, me. The grip, he ain't the one that never of stops anyone. Grifting. The grift that never stops grifting. <laughs> ain't that a bitch, right? I mean, th- yeah. he just
0: he just doesn't stop. He yeah. lies about everything. And what does the guy do? He deflects. Mm. Everything is a deflection. It's not about me. I'm not the liar. You're the liar. Anybody that says anything negative. And then these crazy maggots do the same thing. They just keep regurgitating his bullshit. But let, let me move on and ask you this, because you're still active with the Capitol Police, correct? Yeah, I still work there. Yeah. So I assume that you see members of Congress every single day. Yeah. How do the MAGA members treat you now? I mean, is there mutual respect or do some of
1: these Congress members still hold a grudge against you? You know one. You know one thing that's I. am very professional when I do my job, and I, I try to just leave it at that. You know, I, I think of a moment where you think of a mo- something bigger than yourself, and like I said, I, I don't do anything for me. For any, I do it because. I enjoy serving my country and that's what the way I'm doing it in this capacity. And that's just where I leave it at, man. I don't, I don't get into all that stuff and it's easy to, but you know, I, 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 (laughs) my eyes are set on the, the, the former president and um, the people that attacked us that day. But as far as the members of Congress, I think that just goes back to what I say. People need to be educated. People need to be informed and the voters need to hold the people the members of congress responsible that's that's their job not not me like i said i i glad every morning to create a safe environment for them to work in and that's all that's what i focus on man because if i let all the other noise it would it would eat me up and it, it, it would it would tear away at my soul and i don't want that to be the the, the life that i'm living i don't want it to so i i shape my narrative to create a safe environment for members of congress that that's it
0: see Harry, I tell you you're a better man than me because i'm not so sure that if it was my job to protect people that put me in harm's way to the extent that they did people like marjorie toilet green or josh hawley or ted cruz and so on i don't i don't know if i could have which for, look they didn't put me on January 6th in harm's way, and I still have no respect for any of them. So I give you a lot of credit for being able, you know, to hold, you know, to hold yourself to that standard of not just excellence, but supreme excellence, where you're able to put the blinders on and say, this is my job. It's kind of like the way FBI agents are or Secret Service when they have to protect someone like Trump. I'm sure that there's a group of them that can't stand him, that, you know, he just makes them sick because he's constantly attacking Secret Service, FBI, law enforcement, DOJ.
1: Let me try to put in a little bit of perspective for you. So that, that, that seat is going to need protection no matter who occupies it, no matter who occupies it. Whether it's somebody that I like, whether it's somebody that I dislike, so it does. You got to think of the bigger picture. That seat is what represents democracy, and like I said, a hundred years from now, that seat is still going to be there, if I do my job, and if the, my coworkers continue to do their job like we did on January sixth and every day before and every day after, if we continue to do our job, that seat is going to exist and have the opportunity to change. Um, ownership. It's same way with the presidency. Like peaceful transfer of power existed for you said 44 presidents. We're this close to not having it again, you know, like we we got to look at the bigger picture. And like I said, we just occupy this earth and this country and this democracy for a short period of time. And we got to leave it better than what we found it, man. But we're leaving it worse. We're leaving it worse. You know, the way we're going, we're not doing a good job and we but we can do better. And like I can say, I don't know yeah, where that, this optimism and this hope comes from. But, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't know where it comes from. Maybe that's that's all we have. It's just something to keep me going, something to make me sit, keep from going crazy, you know. I, yeah. be, I believe well, let in me ask you. Of this country, so.
0: Yeah, well, I am I would like to, but I'm having a hard time. I, I did want to ask you. Yeah, you too, right? Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you this. What about your colleagues, people like Caroline Edwards, who also endured the attack on January sixth? How are they doing now? Is there is there any going back to normal after an event like that? Do you guys ever just sit around, you know, in like the Capitol, um, you know, uh, the the uh, what is it like the uh, the deli that you know everybody sits inside there? The you know, the the food court inside the Congress. You ever just sit around and turn around and reminisce about how fucked up that day was and how dangerous it was and, you know, how dangerous it is every single day, almost fearing that this shit could happen again tomorrow?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I love that you mentioned Carolyn because I think the world of her and what a, yep, she deserves it. What a fantastic woman! What a fantastic officer! What a fantastic patriot that she is, and God love her for it. Um, but in 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 certain circles, you do like the enjoyment. Maybe for me and a lot of other people that I've talked to, has been taken away from this job, and it's not like it used to be. You know, it used to be you look forward to coming to work, you should be happy, but. I think that's just part of the trauma, as uh from January sixth that still exists. You know, it's, I mean, th- you go to work in a crime scene every damn day. You go to work in a crime scene. You got to work there, you know. Like shit, if a, a a murder happens in somebody's house or whatever, they're probably moving to, out that house and never lived there. You know, or, or something bad happened. We don't have that luxury, and i you know, but I think a lot of people are just. I don't know. I, I you could tell people are frustrated. My friends that I've talked to are close, we don't really talk about it that much, but we talk about the things that cause it and the division in this country and how depressed or sad that it makes us. Um but the police aspect of it, no, nah, we don't really talk about it. We talk about it as as concerned American citizens, you know? And it's it's uh the outlook, it kind of sucks sometimes. But um I'll keep showing up for those individuals, those coworkers, because that's what it's all about.
0: I hear you on that one. Now you talk in your book about the healing power of telling the truth, and rest assured, I know exactly what you're referring to when you were talking about that. And I'm sure that it helps others. It helps other people when they hear you tell your story. It's kind of like why I wrote the second book too, Revenge, because it I believe that it helps to open up people's eyes. My question though to you is has it helped you to heal?
1: Did you find writing the book cathartic? It was very cathartic, um, but it also it I addressed a lot of issues that exist in this country that that have existed for a long period of time. And Talking about it doesn't make me happy, um, but it fuels me to, to know that I inspired one person or two people. If I, I'm going to tell my truth regardless. I'm going to tell my story because it makes me feel good. And along that process, if one or two people is inspired by something that I said or did and they can do something different, it's fucking worth it, man. Yeah, but but yeah, it definitely brought about some healing, but it also opened up some wounds that, you know, like this country's been like this for a long time, and if you think about it, it's sad. Yeah, sad is right.
0: You know, you, like I said before, you're a better man than me. I don't want to inspire one person or two people. It's like also why I have the other podcast, Political Beatdown. My goal is to take my listeners from mea culpa, Incorporate them into my listeners of political beatdown. And I don't want one or two. I want millions. I want to change the minds of millions of people. I want to open the minds and the eyes and the ears of millions of people to a man who I truly believe— is the greatest danger to american democracy that exists for the last 100 years and i say that as someone who sat with him day in and day out for over a decade shoulder to shoulder he is truly the the, the most dangerous person right now in this country as it relates especially to democracy
1: i agree but it's not just him, though. At this moment, he is. But I talk in my book about if Donald Trump goes to jail, how will I feel? I'll celebrate for a moment, but then I'll go back to realize the idea that he brought to the forefront. It doesn't go away just because he goes to jail. In fact, it might become stronger. MAGA doesn't go away when Donald Trump goes to jail. If Donald Trump, go- it doesn't. In fact, like I said, it may embolden somebody even more, you know, to 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 become a, a, a somebody to redeem him, his redeemer, or whatever. I I don't know, but it, it's scary, man. But we got to keep fighting. We can't we can't just get what what is the other alternative? Just give up? I I, I don't know, man. I, I I can't do that. And I hope and pray that so many people, so many other people, are ready to fight. Um, and I, let me clarify, because Rudy Giuliani talking about fight like hell and Donald Trump go down and fight. I don't mean it in a physical sense. Let me make that clear because clearly they didn't make that distinction. Um, but it's important to fight for your country at the ballot box by getting, getting in. Amen. you know, so,
0: yep. You know, yep. I say that all the time that the only way to beat. MAGA ideology is you vote these assholes out of office. That's it. And then push them back into the into the hole that they fell out of or that they crawled out of. That's the only way to do it. But I want to ask you something else because it just popped into my head. Right? With the book, you're obviously doing a lot of um road promotion yeah. of the book and so on. What are you seeing out there? Do you think as a country that we're more divided today than ever in our lifetimes? And do you think that Americans are
1: still, for the most part, are still good people? I think, yeah, I think that we are more similar than we are divided. I think that the divisiveness is just the loud part. You know, I do believe majority of Americans are good individuals. They're good people. They, I, I believe that in the bottom of my heart. The, the problem is the loud ones, like you said, the trolls and the they represent the smallest population. They're the loudest, which is why we keep focusing on them. But I've learned and I'm learning that focusing on the individuals that are like minded like you. And I'm not talking about an echo chamber, but like minded as far as like decency. Those are individuals that I will talk to no matter what issues we agree on. do but just have the decency to respect your fellow man. Those are the individuals that I focus on that I want to talk to because no matter what, man, let me tell you something. When my book, when it hit Amazon within an hour, there was already a review on it of one star talking about liar. Don't believe nothing. You didn't even have opportunity Mm -hmm. to read it. There's no way you read my book that fast. So I will talk to with like my, because something people, it don't matter what you say it don't matter what you show them their head is in the sand and nope that's it but like-minded decent individuals like-minded with the decency effect like i said not in not all beliefs you know i can i've had conversations with pro-choice and um you know uh what's the opposite of pro-choice the anti anti-abortion people i've talked with people all the time that are decent individuals and you try to that's how you that's how you reach people you have conversation
0: you know, so I always say to the pro-lifers, you know, I'm all for you. Don't get me wrong. I don't give a flying shit <laughs> if you have 30 children. I really don't give a fuck. It means nothing to me when those kids get sick, when they're crying at night. You know, that's on you. Has no bearing on my life whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But you're... Theoc- you know theocratic ideology on life whether it is predicated on you know judeo-christian belief or just evangelical christian ideology southern white christian coalition beliefs that's all good for you i wish you the best in whatever you want but stay the fuck out of my business. It has nothing to do with you, right? Let the woman decide. If the woman's decision is pro-life, God bless her. I wish her and her children health, happiness, success, love, joy, as we like to say in Jewish, naches. from your children and God-willing grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I wish you all the best. But if my belief is a woman should have the right to choose and that if her choice is to terminate that child or that fetus, I should say, yeah, that's her decision. I you agree. be you and let me be me. So I, I don't understand this where you think like in The Handmaid's Tale, as a commander, you have the right to turn around and to take a woman's right to choose away from them. That's it's more than just about the fetus. It's more than just about the pregnancy.
1: There's yeah. so much more here at stake. I agree, but I think we could just be simplified it and just say it's none of our business. Amen. <laughs> That's the simple part. It's, it's none of my business what anybody chooses to do with their body, period. Exactly. Whichever way
0: that you want to go. So look, another you and I, you know, we engage in conversation, obviously outside of the podcast and all that. And so on. and you know that I happen to be a big fan of the police. Yeah. What in your opinion right now is the state of policing in America today? I mean, are there still good honest cops? who come to the job each and every day to serve and protect. Mo- that's and most because... Trouble. Go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I, would agree, yeah. I would agree with you with that. But because it's so tough to be a police officer today, who is it that's drawn to the field? Because I see and I hear every day on social media, on postings and so on, you know, with all of the stuff that was going on in terms of the way police officers are reacting. They're very fast to pull the gun, especially if it's on a young black male and so on. You know, this is a real problem in America too. First of all, the fact that there's so many guns in America and everybody today thinks that they're in the wild, wild West. My real question is, you know, being that it's really tough to be an officer today. Yeah. Who is it that you see are getting drawn
1: to the field? Yeah, so the state of policing and like I I, I gotta make it clear that majority of the police officers you interact on a day-to-day basis are there to serve and they love their job and they're doing it for the right reason. Majority of them. Um the problem is one fuck up, so to speak, is too many. And that may be unrealistic because we're humans and we make mistakes. Um, but when you're dealing with life, it, 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 it's, it's crazy because we're humans. He, police officers aren't robots and humans make mistakes. Um, but willful mistake making is I think what's problematic. People that are just out there with regard, no regard, and they think that they're above the law I mean, hell, it happened with the presidency. Why wouldn't that happen in policing? Um, right. So I think that's where we run into the issue, and you know, wanting to hold people accountable—not necessarily for mistakes—and yeah, mistakes—you have to be accountable for mistakes. But there's a level of, like you said, willful intent, like you talk about with law and everything like that. Willfully, you know, those are a lot of the key words that come down when you're talking about um, applying sentences and charges. Like it's all about willful intent. Um, So yeah, it's still that there's still need to be changed because like you said, like I said, one mistake um, when you're dealing with life is too many. And I'm not, even a mistake I said, I'm not blaming an officer because like we're humans, we make mistakes. The willful ones is where I will without a doubt hold somebody accountable in my eyes for it. Um, But on the flip side, Society doesn't make it easy for police officers to be police officers, you know, especially in this climate where we're looked at as this this enemy and everything like that. We need like I hate the I, I, the thin blue line thing. Right. You know, it's a thin blue line that holds it up. Why isn't that line thick? Why we should have all the support of everybody in the world and we should strive for that, like these communities, like you know, these tight knit communities that you hear about and you see in these small towns and everything, that's what you want. That's what you need. And I think we, I, I don't, I, maybe this is a, a crap dream or a crapshoot or a pipe dream, whatever the fucking term is, but you just want, <laughs> you just want for so much for, you want it to be this tight knit communities that I guess really don't exist. Cause it's, goes back to what you we were saying earlier, just divide in this country. And it's not just liberals and conservatives. It's people that like the police and don't like the police. Um, it, 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 I got to hold society accountable a little bit, too, for it. Even though, cops, we sign up to serve the communities. Um, sometimes it ain't easy to serve people that don't want to be served, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's true. And the reason I bring up that question, Harry, is because part of your mission now is actually to reform policing. And it reminds me so much of like that movie American Gangster with Richie Robbins. Yes. Yes. Do do cops resent you for trying to change the system or do they welcome the change? You know, it's very hard because you're talking about a system that has existed for a very long period of time. And I'm with you when I say I have nothing but the utmost of respect for you know the men and women of blue. I I do When I see them walking in the street while I'm um, here in New York City, I will always stop and thank them for their service. Uh, I did it when I was uh, there uh, at the courthouse. Yeah. They took great care of me, like incredible care. I truly appreciate the job that they have to do. I don't think I could do it. In fact, I know for a fact that I would not be able to do it. That's my question to you.
1: You're trying to change
0: the system. Do they welcome
1: it? I don't necessarily know if it's about changing the system, man. I think it's just as simple as changing the person. You got to change the people. I tell you, I look at it when I try to train new officers that come on. I look at these. I call it the three C's and... If you possess these three C's, you can be a good police officer. Confidence. Courage. And this one escapes people. It's compassion. Need compassion because we're there to help people. And if you lack compassion, then how can you truly help somebody? I think that's that's one of the things. We work with a bunch of brave individuals. people. People are very courageous, you know, confident individuals. But that compassion, I think, escapes a lot of us. And what's compassion goes along with empathy. And I think once we possess that, it's easier to see the the flaws and the humanity in people. And I think it just comes down. And like I said, maybe this is me just being this optimistic, hopeful person. But I think it just comes down to the person that you hire, the person that signs up for the job. You know, you compassion, compassion, compassion. And I think that's just lacking, even not just in police force, that's just in the world, man. You know, people don't care about each other.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then, because I have really just two quick questions for you. All right. The hour goes by quick here on Mayor yeah, it Culpa. Does. You and I have had conversation, as I had stated before, in the past. We're both big fans of the late civil rights leader John Lewis, as well as Elijah Cummings, and what they termed good trouble. What do you think that these two leaders would say about the state of civil rights movement in America today?
1: I am encouraged by the people that do get in good trouble. Especially, man, I'll tell you who I'm really impressed by, G- the 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 young kid Gen-, Gen Z I think is is that then they are making their voices known they're making them they're loud and they're letting people know that we exist not only do we exist and but we have a say and I love that I love that they're being engaged and getting involved and getting in good trouble um, but it would just be encouraging we need it more now than ever like. People are, are fighting literally for their right to exist. When you talk about some of the LGBTQ people, you know, they're fighting for their right to exist. What's happening in Israel and Palestine, and I'm, not, I'm not getting into that, but people are fighting for their right to exist. And we need it more now than ever than the people for stand up for what is right. And I think that they would just be calling for more, more. That's what we need. We need more. I I liken it to a game of tug of war and you got both sides. And in the middle is the end of democracy, the end of your rights and the people on the right are pulling. The good guys are over here, just pulling, trying to, and whoever falls in that hole, we just need more good guys on the back of that rope to help us continue to pull and fight, you know? And, And once we, once we continue to keep fighting, We're eventually going to pull them down that hole. And hopefully that's how they don't exist anymore. Just more good people just drown them out.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we need. So look, my final question to you, Harry, you now have developed a pretty huge platform and you actually have very strong political perspectives. There' are possibility that you're going to run for office in the future. I've heard that, and you know, you know that I'm contemplating a congressional run myself. Yeah. I'm just waiting for my wife to give me the the okay on it. Yeah, and then I'm ready to go. I'm going after Jerry Nadler's seat here in Manhattan. Yeah, um, and and I'll tell you, I'm going to give him a run for 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 his money. He's um he's got a lot of issues. But what about you? Possible run? Because that would be great. You
1: and I, freshman congressmen. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you what, man. I um, I love the idea of it. Why? Because I I revel in the idea of public service, and what better way than to serve your country than to be a spokesperson, a representative of the community that you live in. But um, right now it's just an idea. I I, I, I yeah, I'll consider it. But it's a huge responsibility too. Um, it's a huge undertaking and a decision i'm not prepared to make at the moment but but it's not out of the realm of possibility that i would consider it
0: well Think about it, because then you and I could sit next to each other in the back. We could be making fun of everybody and shit. And I'll at least have you to have my back, right, as I sit there. You know, like when I was in my fraternity at American University, I was known for taking the metal chairs and just throwing them, right, like at the dais Jesus with Christ, these dude. brothers in there. So I used to just take those those folded metal chairs, me and my buddy Seth, and we used to just start winging them, right, when they would start talking stupid shit and everything, because I have no Patience for stupid shit, and there's so much of that going on yeah. right now from the Jim Jordans all the way you know, to the George Santos, but Harry, let me thank you, my friend for for being Harry let me Thanks, thank man. you for your for, for your excellence, for being you and for everything, congrats on the book, Thanks, it's bro. a great read I strongly recommend it, and I really do truly look forward to seeing you when I get down to DC very soon, alright man, can't wait bro I will see you soon, my friend. Thanks for having me, man. Talk to you soon, buddy. You got it. And now for today's mea culpa. Just in case you didn't know it, there's nothing that you can do to change a mindset. Not one damn thing. So the truth is, just fucking quit trying. They will vote for Trump even if he's found guilty of every single one of the 91 crimes that he's been alleged to have committed. Why? They just don't fucking care. They think he's secretly running the country anyway. So what difference does it make if he's on house arrest at mar a or stuck in a Supermax prison? The answer is, they think he's their leader. Plain and simple. And just like in 2016, MAGA's are mad as hell. And the only thing that will satisfy their discontent is Trump back in office forever. So, like I said... Their minds are made up, so save your breath. But there is one thing that we can learn from the MAGAs, and that's loyalty. They get behind Trump like he's a member of their family. Can we Democrats say the same? Do we give President Biden the credit that he deserves for doing a great fucking job in the middle of this shitstorm? I'm not saying that we should blindly line up behind Biden just because he's a Democrat who follows the Constitution. No. No. I'm saying get behind the guy who supported the workers by standing strong with the unions. Support the man who's finally rebuilding our infrastructure. It's a little late in the game to start rethinking our options. I mean, look, this Dean Phillips person thinks he's a better choice than Biden. I mean, why? Because he's young and untested? Well, for the record, let's everyone just shut up about Biden's age already. Why? Because Trump is only two and a half years younger. And, of course, a hundred pounds fatter. And as dumb as he ever was. But mangas don't give a shit. Next time around, there will be other choices. But right now, today, there is only one choice. And that choice is Joe Biden. And there is Kamala Harris, who now has the experience to lead if, God forbid, something should happen. And I do say it again, God forbid, as president. And sure, the debate about Israel will rage on. But unlike Trump, Biden can pivot. He can actually process new information and then make a better choice. And who is the whole world looking to for sanity in these absolutely insane times? Well, let me give you the answer. It ain't Trump, it's President Biden. So, have faith in him to do what's right, because he almost always does. We need to stand together behind the man who stands with all of us, Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. I mean, even the maggots. You see, look, we're Democrats, damn it, We know how to get things done. So let's take a page out of the MAGA playbook and let's just all unite behind Biden like our lives depend on it. Because, I hate to say it, it does. And as always, thanks for listening. "Maya Culpa is written by Paula Killen. Our managing producer and editor is Lisa Orkin. "Maya Culpa is a Midas Touch podcast, executive produced by the Midas Touch Network and LSJ Media Group.